Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief Sarah Whitmire. And the opening ceremonies for the 2016 Summer Olympic Games are tonight in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We're going to talk today with three people very familiar with that nation to talk about whether Brazil is ready and what we can expect in Rio. So our guests today are Lee Alston, a professor of economics and law at Indiana University and author of Brazil in Transition. And also Gil Souza, who is a professor of operations management at the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. And uh, Gil is Brazilian, and he's actually going to the games. And then we will be joined soon by Max Moreno, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Environmental Health Science at IUPUI. You can join the discussion by calling us at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for being here with us today. Thank you. And Sarah, always good to be with you on Friday. Uh, I love the Olympics, the Summer Olympics in particular. I mean, of course, you know, we don't have a lot of skiing around here and ice skiing, but the Winter Olympics are pretty cool, too. But I love the Summer Olympics. And this one has has been um, probably newsworthy for things off the field and the court as well as for on. So I guess I'm just going to start with that overarching question. Do, Do we think Rio is ready? Gil? Yeah, I think it's ready. Yeah. I mean, I've been following the uh, it pretty closely, and you know, the main things, the the transportation infrastructure and the venues and so on, these are all ready, and the mm-hmm. security is, is strong, and the government did their did their homework to mm-hmm. address mm-hmm. concerns. Okay, Lee, I I agree. I mean, no one's ever really ready because you don't do this over and over and over again. But I think they're in they're in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there about a month ago, and things are are moving along. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the issues, uh, you know, have involved things like I mean, the, getting the the infrastructure ready, and of course th- that seems to be a four year issue that comes back. Well, no matter where the Olympic Games are, because a huge undertaking to build all that stuff. But also we have the health concerns, the the crime concerns pollution concerns. Lee, from your visit a month ago and from the book you just wrote about Brazil in transition, how concerned should we be about all those things? Well, I'm pretty bullish in, on Brazil. I mean, you, there's two ways of looking at it. One is, what's the level and where are they now compared to 10, 20 years ago? So they've made huge advancements. The middle class has grown. Income inequality has been falling while it's been rising in most countries in the world. Um, They're going to have lots of security. They pulled off the World Cup, which is a more difficult thing because it takes place all across the country. So I think um, there's the Zika virus, which I I am not an expert on, but I I think they're they're in good shape. So, Gil, from your perspective, I mean, you're very familiar with the country. You know, these are a lot of outsiders who have been writing these things. Right. You know, from a person who's very familiar with it, do those things concern you? Um, well, you know, Rio has had historically a bit of a crime problem. You know, even within Brazil, it's sort of a famous for that. But, you know, there, it's decreased over the past few years with the installation of the pacifying units in the favelas. Mm-hmm. And recently, in the past two years, I mean, it went 
decreased by 50%. So it's a significant decrease in, in, in uh, violent crime. But in the past uh, two years, it increased again. It's been increasing again. And I think a lot of that is due to the uh, just the economy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's the yeah. very deep recession uh, that's been, uh, that, that occurred. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm also optimistic, mm-hmm. I th- you know, cautiously optimistic about the future. There was an, I think it was an opinion piece in the New York Times this morning just talking about uh, basically saying that they were unprepared for terrorism. Um, can I, can you speak to sort of how they are right. um, prepared if something, you know, the unthinkable happens? Um, okay, so what I've been reading, and I've been, I have Brazilian channels on TV, so I watch those all the time. Uh, and so what I've been reading and watching on TV is that, you know, they've been in constant uh, partnership with the uh, with the American and the European units uh, units on terrorism. So obviously, the, the country itself does not have experience on terrorism. I mean, it's not something that we we are concerned about. We're concerned about other types of violence, but not about terrorism. But I think the government knows about these things, and they I think they've done a bit of the homework. So, um, and and another thing to to think about too is that there is not. You know, this network of cells and things that you see on Europe and to some extent in the U.S. So I just and, and, and also within the distance, you know, it's, it's a far place to go. And, and I just think that the uh, yeah, there is a chance, but I think the, uh, the, the, the chances are low, in my opinion. So as someone who's been consuming media from Brazil and then here, it seems like a lot of what we are hearing is that, you know, they're not prepared. I'm just wondering uh, the difference, if you can talk about between how the media is portraying it. Yeah, it's a totally different portray. (laughs) It's just like here, all you hear are the problems, and they keep bouncing and bouncing the problems. The pollution of Guanabara Bay, which, you know, the people in Rio knew about it. They've done something to address those issues, but it was not enough, you know, because of the recession. So to give you an example, um, in, in 2009, only 11% of the sewage in the, the city of Rio was treated, okay? And now it's up to 51%. Uh, and so the, the goal was to reach 80%. Okay, it doesn't mean that, that there's no sewage uh, net infrastructures that, that was not treated uh, appropriately to go to, um, to be releasing to the environment. So now we are up to 51%, 52%. So they've done enough progress, but not enough to reach the 80% mark. So that was one of the issues where I think uh, the media is right in saying, you know, that, that there was an issue, right? Um, that was one of the promises that was not. Um, that was not accomplished uh, by the government to reach the 80% mark. But, you know, um, but again, I think what the media there covers is like they, they talk about these things, but they talk about all the other positive things that are happening. You know, for example, the uh, the port region of Rio that was completely revitalized, um, and it is beautiful now. I mean, it was just a terrible place. You wouldn't go there any time of the day. Now you have this beautiful museum, and there are people yeah. there walking on the streets, and they are jogging, and so on. Um, you know, they have the VLT, which is the which is the tram system, kind of a tram system in the downtown Rio that connects all the main points. This is all new. Uh, you have the BRTs, the rapid transit system. This is great, and they talk about the athletes, what they're doing. You know, <laughs> how are they preparing, and you know, what kind of fun they're having in the Olympic Village, and what kinds of you know. You know, what kind of food they had and where they went. I mean, there's just a completely different kind of perception of what what what's going on there. 
Our phone numbers today are 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You know, Sarah and I are both members of the, the media, and we, you know, we sort of understand how this works because, you know, a lot of times I tell people when they say, hey, you're only reporting bad news, you know, I say, well, if I drive to work this morning, I don't hit a tree. I'm not going to put that in the paper. But if I do, you know, I will. But, but so, you know, I know that, you know, we, we get a different view. It's not necessarily a realistic view. So that's why we're so happy to have both of you on here. We're talking about, you know, the Olympics in Rio. And, you know, we can talk about terrorism. I mean, any place is a prime location for terrorism today. Although when you get a bunch, you know, millions of people together in one place and it could be a big blast, of course, people are going to be worrying about that. So, you know, these are all issues that we want to talk about and address. But I, I want to go back to sort of what Rio is like and you know what are the what are the athletes going to find when they're down there why, why is it a unique city and a place that they really would want to be Lee well I remember the first time I flew into to Rio in, in 1990 and it's it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world it's it's stunning I mean the harbor the the green uh, it's um, it's it's beautiful uh, they also have not built hotels right on the beach. They're across the street from the beach. So when you walk along the beach from Cabana to Ipanema, you see people jogging. You see old people being pushed in, uh, you know, wheelchairs. Uh, it's a uh, – again, I was there a month ago. It's an uplifting place just to, to walk around. Uh, mm-hmm. And – I've been there. I've never, I don't know how many times I've been there, 20 times or so. Uh, I've never felt afraid or intimidated. You need to be careful, of course. Uh, but my wife's been there numerous times. And again, depending where you go, but that's true in in Chicago or Indianapolis. Uh, so uh, again, Rio is a pretty unique uh, place that will capture people's, uh, I think, senses. Mm-hmm. Gil? Yeah, I'd say the same thing. It's like for us in Brazil, especially, it's, you know, it's a very exciting place, you know, Ipanema, Copacabana, Leblon, and so on. And then the carnival, of course, and the, uh, you know, New Year's. uh, But that's what they're going to find. They're going to find people in Brazil, usually they like foreigners, and they want to, you know, uh, talk with them and and so on. the food is really good and it's very fresh. You know, everything is prepared fresh. And contrary to other other places in the world, developing countries, that's one thing you don't have to worry about much. Is mm-hmm. like the food. You're not going to get sick eating the food there because it's, you know, the the standards of hygiene are very 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 high. I think in, you mm-hmm. know compa- you know they're really true U.S. standards. And so, I I, I just think that's what they're going to find. It's just like. This, this excitement, this, you know, this vibe of, of, uh, of the food and, and the people and the colors and the nature and the mountains and things like that. Mm-hmm. So when the games were first awarded to, to Rio, I mean, has anything changed since then mm-hmm. in terms of like, I don't I guess I don't quite understand when you were talking about these standards with um, sewage and things. Was there an expectation by the Olympic Committee that they reach these standards and then maybe they've fallen short or why is it that this has become such a big deal? 
Yeah, so that was one of the promises, and I think that was one of the legacy, uh, the key legacy, besides the, the, the transportation infrastructure, was the cleaning of the Guanabara Bay. You know, so, so Rio is not the Guanabara Bay. Guanabara Bay is one portion of Rio, and that's it's historically been polluted. But then you have, you know, Ipanema, Copacabana, and Barra de Tijuca. Those are the beaches where people go and, you know, and they, you know, they go yeah. to, to, and, and they swim and so on. So one of the promises was to get the, the, the sewage treatment to 80%. That was one of the, you know, that was one of the key things that sold Rio on this. So let's clean the Guanabara Bay, which is a beautiful place, but it's polluted. And so, um, and it reached only 51, 52%. And so that's, you know, and that's where one of the venues take place, you know, and I think that's what generated a lot of the concerns. Just I'm um, just a, a quick thing is I think a lot of the problems would have been avoided from a media perspective if a year ago or so, 2015 or 2014, the IOC or the organizing mm -hmm. committee had moved the sailing competition to another place. Yeah. I think that would probably take taking uh, care of a lot of the problems, the negative attention that's being taken uh, to Rio. Because mm -hmm. most of it is focusing on this one. Right. Well, yeah. besides Zika. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, uh, well, one, I, I agree with, with Gil, but I think when Rio was awarded the games, they were, they were riding a crest. I mean, they didn't suffer from the financial crisis like the U.S. and Europe did. That, as Lula said, it just passed them by. So this was a new Brazil that had been sailing very smoothly for 15 years or so. And they've gotten hit with almost a perfect storm of bad shocks. Uh, commodity prices have tanked. So that hits Canada and Australia, and those economies are suffering right now, too. Uh, they've got their worst corruption scandal, probably in terms of dollars, the most expensive corruption scandal ever in the world. Uh, they've got a president who's facing impeachment. Uh, and then, if that's not enough, you had the Zika virus. So people in Brazil right now are not happy with the economic political situation. But meanwhile, lots of things are going right. Um, but uh, some of the protests you see are in part because they rode this huge high. And this year, their economy is going to, they're going to have negative rates of growth. Mm -hmm. So uh, can you, can either one of you sort of uh, try to put us in the you know, into Brazil in terms of the, you know, the sense in the country. You're talk I know there are a lot of protests, but, I mean, is, is, are the people of Brazil generally happy to be having the Olympics and the focus on Rio? Is it, can you, can you? Uh, I think it depends who you ask. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. if you take an average, um, I, uh, okay, one of, the, one, of the, one of the last polls I saw was if you take an, a global average of the country as a whole, they are happy about it. Mm -hmm. If you look at the people in the southeast, which is mm -hmm. the wealthiest part of the country, they're not quite happy about it because they think, it, they, you know, some of the attention could have been spent addressing the, the, all those issues that Lee was talking about, you know, the economy and, uh, you know, the political situation. So, so that's the, you said that's the wealthiest part of the country? Yes, the yeah. southeast. So the people with wealth are less happy about it than people who don't have much. Well, I think they're more politically active, uh -huh. just like in the U.S. Um, so for the most part, you know, the people in the favelas aren't um, out on the streets protesting. They're not organized as, as well. Um, so I think a, 
a lot's going to depend on how the start of the game. So I'm a little bit nervous these next couple of days. If things kick off well, yeah. I think Brazilians will start to get really excited. If they start winning their soccer matches, right. uh, if Brazil wins the Gold Cup uh, in uh. soccer, everything's going to be forgiven in Brazil because Argentina and Uruguay have won the Olympic gold medal twice, uh, and Brazil has not won it. And they're arch, right. when you say they're arch yeah. rivals? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Argentina and Brazil are arch rivals. Yes. Mm -hmm. So winning will make a lot of difference. Yeah, I think also just once everything kicks off, yeah. and I think the excitement has already, you know, kind of started mm -hmm. among the population. I mean, I, uh, you know, again, watching the Brazilian media, a lot of last-minute reservations, people now going to Rio. They thought they would not go, but once, you know, all this, all this coverage starts to emerge, you know, people just get excited. And just one piece of statistic, um, uh, people talk about the, uh, the tickets, right, the ticket sales. Well, Rio actually was better than, it reached over 80%, so it's better than Atlanta, Barcelona, Athens, and Sydney. Mm -hmm. It's only worse than uh, Beijing, and, and so Beijing and, um, what was the other one? Britain. Uh, yeah, and London, those were higher uh, than 80%. So, so people are actually going to the, to the events and to the venues, so it, you know, it's, it's sort of an average kind of, of a thing in terms of ticket sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the good news for foreigners compared to the World Cup is the currencies declined significantly. Right. So the the real, the currency of Brazil, uh, although it's bumped up a little bit since the first of the year, uh, it's still I know it was noticeable for me how much cheaper it was than several years ago. Mm -hmm. Yes. So since since Rio hosted the World Cup, I'm wondering how much that is going to to in reality maybe help them with this event is do you think that's yes yeah, so the world mm -hmm. cup is uh, was uh, rio was one of the 12 cities um the, on the world cup so there were 11 different cities uh, and so uh, yeah i mean but rio also hosted um the pan american games of 2007 mm -hmm. and so they have uh, have experienced a carnival they attract four million people per year i mean that's a significant event and it goes very smoothly so they have experience with, with handling large crowds. You know, I think it's, uh, I think th there's some things going for Rio on this. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, if we can just sort of go back, I think it was 2009 when the Olympic Games were awarded to Rio. Right. So if you just think about that, 2009, the Olympic Games are awarded, 2014, the World Cup, and then 2016, the Olympics. So they've had, you know, seven years of basically growth, preparation, but during that time, they've also had, you know, problems with the economy. And I was just looking at some notes I brought. Um, I think it was in, and it would have been when you were there in June, that uh, the acting state governor of Rio said that the public finances were in a state of calamity and warned that key services like public safety and health could collapse. So, you know, again, is this, this is a media report that actually came from a U.S. source. Right. So... Yeah, I, I found it interesting the tension between the governor of of Rio and the the mayor. So the mayor has been really on board and very positive, and the governor's been, you know, relatively negative. Um, yes, uh, financial conditions are in in trouble just about everywhere. But they're getting better as opposed to getting worse. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think he, uh, again, that sells newspapers. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and I think that like Gil, once people get there, Brazilians tend to be very welcoming. Right. Uh, uh, again, I'm relative to optimistic. They'll they'll be snafus certainly. Yeah, there always are. So I mean, to this particular point about the calamity state, uh, this is a technicality for the governor to obtain the the bailout from the federal government. Yeah. So unless he, he specifically mentions that the state of calamity, he could not get the bailout funds to to continue running. The, and yet, the state of Rio, contrary to the city, which is in a reasonable condition, but the state of Rio is in is in bad yes. condition because. It's strongly based on the oil industry, and right. the oil prices have tanked, and so the the you know the tax base has significantly decreased. So, yeah. Before we take a break, I want to I have to point out too. So the governor and the mayor aren't saying exactly the same thing. Kind of reminds me of us of the Republican and Democratic conventions <laughs> in the U.S. You know, it's, I guess that happens everywhere. All right, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Noon Edition, and we're talking about the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio, which begin tonight with the opening ceremonies. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each weekday afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. A lot lower than the yeah. Welcome back to Noon Edition. We're back, and now uh, that's Gil Souza, who's a professor of operations management at Indiana University's Kelly School of Business. Uh, and our our other guest right now is Lee Alston, professor of economics and law at Indiana University, and the author of Brazil in Transition. We're going to soon be joined by Max Moreno, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Environmental Health Science at IUPUI. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with Sarah Whitmire. We're talking about. Brazil and Rio and uh, the ceremonies tonight. And prior to the break, we were talking a little bit about the political limbo that's going on there. So I'm wondering if there was ever a time, I guess, maybe when folks were sort of calling to cancel the games because like, really who steps up and is the leader and the cheerleader for this if there's so much happening right now in the government there? Um, yes, a lot's going on. But interestingly, after the uh, vote both in the House and the Senate on impeachment, uh, the currency of Brazil went up, the stock market went up, foreign direct investment went up. So this is a signal that there was a lot, uh, as viewed by the outside world, a lot of fiscal mismanagement. And the, the current president, who's being charged with impeachment, is the allegations are for violating the fiscal responsibility law. There was a unanimous vote by what's uh, analog to the General Accounting Office that she cooked the books just prior to her election. Uh, and the 
the counterfactual is had that not happened, she may well not have won that election, which was very, very close. So there is not a coup going on in Brazil. The military's not out. Uh, there's not violence in the streets. They're playing by the rules every step um, in the political situation. So I, uh, part of what our book's about has shown that the fundamental uh, institutions in Brazil, the bureaucracy, the judiciary, uh, at the upper levels, are really quite honest and uh, competent. So the corruption scandal, as I said, the largest in the world, this is, there's always been corruption, but now people are going to jail. 20 years ago, the second richest man in Brazil would not be in prison. He is today. 20 years ago, an ex-president would never be investigated for corruption allegations. Lula's under serious investigation. So I see these as signs that no one's above the law and that Brazil is the, you know, in a tra trajectory of becoming a country with very serious checks and balances. So none of us in here is a sports expert, but we're all sports fans. So we have uh, – it, it's worth mentioning that there will be 15 athletes from – that have connections to Indiana University that will be participating. Several several are still students here at IU. Some are have graduated. Some are going to be performing for the USA team, and several are performing for other teams. Um, Gil, you're going to the Olympics. So what are you looking forward to on the sports side? Well, I, uh, I'm a beach, um, obviously I'm a big uh, soccer fan, and, but I'm also, as an, Brazil, in Brazil, volleyball is also mm -hmm. extremely popular. You know, it's right there with soccer, not a little bit below, but, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I'm going to see the, the volleyball and the, both court volleyball and the beach volleyball mm -hmm. and some basketball. And, and yeah. So I won't be able to see the swimming because I'll get there on the second week and uh, swimming only takes place on the first week, so mm -hmm. I missed that. But, so uh, let's talk about soccer a little bit, or, or football. Um, yeah. So Brazil is usually a very, very good team. What, what are their chances this year? Well, uh, on the men's side, I would say they are, I mean, they have a, they have a very good team this year, and I would say they are the favorite for the mm -hmm. gold medal. Uh, on the women's side, I'd say the West is the favorite. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. They mm -hmm. won the, the oh, I don't know when it was three, yeah. four, four Olympics in a row, and World Cups in a row. So they are. Uh, the Brazilian team is good. I would say top four, top five, but I would say gold medal would be a stretch mm -hmm. for them. Okay. Yeah. So the the uh, you know we've we've sort of talked a lot about the stability and a lot of the issues that are outside of the sports arena. We'll talk more about that, I'm sure. Um, particularly when Max gets here, but uh, the idea of of the sports and and watching it, um, Lee. I know you were talking. We were talking before about some of your connections with with swimming, just based on your your IU history. Of course, I use swimming this year. Um, I, I was shocked to learn that there hadn't been an IU swimmer. Uh, on the Olympic team since 1976, when some of the swimmers made it this year, but you were here during the heyday, right? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, back when I was here, it was Doc Councilman days. They would, they would have uh, three matches, three of uh, meets on the same day, and split the team up and come back and not lose a single event. So, so they were just a world, uh, the world powerhouse. Um, 
And I, I do remember uh, having a conversation. Uh, one, one of my roommates was uh, a swimmer. Uh, he was the third best in the world, and he was third best at Indiana. But I, but I had a conversation with uh, Mark Spitz before the, um, uh, the, the Munich Games, and he was pretty humble because he had not done well in Mexico City where he should have done. So he said, well, I don't know. I hope I do okay. Mm-hmm. Well, he did better than okay, uh, a- as we know. Yeah. Um, Seven gold medals, I believe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more than covered his chest. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I'd like to see, obviously, Indiana get back uh, to those yeah. to those heights. But they are building a, a very good program here now. Yeah, it's worth probably worth noting that Mark Spitz was kind of Michael Phelps before Michael Phelps. Yes. I mean, back in 72 and, and those days, so. Yeah, well, we'll be looking forward forward to that. If you have a question or a comment and you want to give us a call, it's 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. I always look forward to the opening ceremonies in addition to just watching the events, probably the opening ceremonies a little bit more and all the the glitz and the performances. But I guess in this past week, we've been having conversations in the newsroom about just whether our expectations for all of that are too high. And I'm wondering if, if you two can respond to that. And if that's a lot of the problem that we're seeing with Rio is maybe we're, we're in a place now where we just expect perfection in countries that and sometimes just cannot provide that. Yeah, so I I don't the the opening ceremony obviously is a secret, right? So you don't know what's going on. I mean, they've had some rehearsals and so on, but what I've heard it's going to be a lot less of the techie stuff and we'll have a lot on dances and Brazilian culture. And of course, we'll have the lights and so on and all of that. But, you know, the guy who's directing is a very famous uh, Brazilian movie director and, and Fernando Meirelles, and so I'm, I'm very confident that there will be something that people will like, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Caetano Veloso and uh, Gilberto Gil, those are two big names on the Brazilian music. They will be there as well. They'll be singing there, performing there. So I think you have a lot of display of Brazilian culture and, uh, you know, and um, of course, and the athletes themselves, right? We have 11,000, more than 11,000 yeah. athletes in, the, in this game. I mean, just to compare, what was it, in Los Angeles? No, in Atlanta it was 6,600 or something. So the number of athletes increased significantly over the years. And so, yeah, it is a major event, I think, in terms of logistics, getting all the, you know, um, all the athletes and the public and so on. It's, it's a major event. So, Gil, if you could just expand on that a little bit. When you talk about how we're going to see a lot of Brazilian culture. Yeah. So educate, educate me a little <laughs> bit. What, what are we going to see? Well, uh, I mean, so so Brazil is ob- obviously there is a lot of different um, influences on the culture, right? So you have the you have the you know the the Afro influence in the sort of more on the northeast part of the country, um, where some of those rhythms that are you know uh, heavily based on percussion and so on. Then you have samba, of course, which is what people know Brazil about. You have bossa nova, but now you have the newest generation. For mm-hmm. example, funk. In Rio is, I mean, it's a big deal there. You have these, these funk events and so on. You know, all the way in the suburbs, in the favelas, anywhere, and they are, you know, so you get, you're going to see some of that. The, old, the the things that people know, the bossa nova and the samba, but you also see the funk and the new things um, mm-hmm. 
that, that I know they're coming on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just on that, I mean, I think what a lot of people lose perspective of is Brazil's half of South America uh, in terms of population, in terms of GDP. Uh, they're about equal to Britain uh, in GDP. Um, it's, it's a big place. So that to say Brazilian culture or Brazilian food, well, it depends where you are. If you're in the Northeast, if you're in the South, if you're in the Amazon, it's like the U.S. It's, it's quite heterogeneous. Uh, and I don't think that uh, most people really have that appreciation for, you know, they think, oh, Brazil, Argentina, Colombia. Yeah, they're all South American countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, they speak Portuguese in Brazil, right, yes. Gil? Uh, right. Not Spanish? <laughs> right. That's the one what great unifying thing is the language, right? So no yeah. matter you are in Brazil, everybody speaks Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like that uh, description, though, because, I, you know, I remember my geography from school and looking at a map of South South America and Brazil is this huge portion of it. So from that standpoint, Lee, um, you think about the country as a whole and you get away from the coast, you know, what's something you hope some cultural part of Brazil you hope will come through during the opening ceremonies or during the the games themselves? Well, I think, um, as Gil mentioned, I think both the Northeast, which was the early um, sugar area of Brazil, um, that that influence, that Afro-Brazilian influence will, will come out. I think there'll also be uh, the indigenous from up in the Amazon. That's, you know, Brazil, the, the, the north, is still the largest standing uh, tropical forest in the world. Yes, there's problems with, with deforestation, but there's still a lot of forest there. Uh, so I think you'll see, and there's other areas that uh, are not as well known, like the Pantanal. So I think that people during the Olympics, I hope, will get a geography uh, lesson about how diverse Brazil is, that they're either, they bounce back and forth with the U.S. as being the world's largest exporter of soy. Well, gee, how many people in the U.S. know that? Um, of course, they're the world's largest exporter of orange juice and numerous other things. But there, and most of the small planes that you fly on in the United States, they're made in Brazil. Yes. Uh, so it's a diverse, heterogeneous uh, country with lots of high-tech expertise, also an agricultural powerhouse. So you've, it's not just all the Amazon carnival and beaches. Uh. Yeah, and also, there, I mean, that's a, another good point is about it's a diversified economy, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, I think that increases its chances of coming out of this recession in good shape, I think, because it's not all dependent on a single, for example, Venezuela, it's all about oil. Right. Uh, Argentina is all about meat and agricultural products, but Brazil is a lot more diversified economy. And yeah. So, Mm-hmm. What impact do you think the Olympics are going to have on the, the country's economy? Because they had to take out a, a pretty sizable loan right, to help fund all the yeah. So I'll let you maybe address that. Well, let's let's put it in perspective to Olympics elsewhere. That they spent uh, the figures are roughly five billion. Uh, country the same size GDP, Great Britain, they spent nine point something, almost double. Uh, uh, Russia spent $55 billion. Uh, Beijing spent way more. So, um, yes, 
there's a lot of, of protest and discontent, as there is in every country, that this spending could be used to help fight crime, to help fight inequality, to improve sanitation. So it, this is a worldwide issue that, that's very troublesome for the future of the Olympics. Does anyone want to hold them in terms of do they uh, have a, a real payoff? The, the mayor of, of uh, London has recently come out very harshly criticizing what has been viewed as a very successful Olympics in London in that, yeah, they helped the high-class people and they've helped real estate developers, but they displaced a lot of people. So Olympics don't come without uh, costs, uh, unfortunately, and that's, that's the side. Maybe they should be funded by the world uh, instead of the host country, you know, these are difficult yeah. uh, uh, questions, but most of them are not paying propositions. Um, but the aftermath of this, the total amount, the total sum of money is not that, that big, really, in the perspective of the total Brazilian economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. So from a, from, a, from a country's perspective, there won't be a significant impact. Now, on Rio, though, yeah. I would say the legacy of the games will be, I think, I mean, you could always question whether or not that money could have spent one way or the other. But, I mean, there are some pretty significant legacy things. For example, this transportation infrastructure, the BRTs, the, the bus rapid transit system, and the subway extension to uh, Baja de Tijuca, and, and again, this revitalization of the port area. I mean, there's a lot of nice things that happen to the city. And, in fact, I saw another poll, not poll, but a, a study that was done by a Brazilian institute that compared Rio now to what, what it was four years ago, and they're better in 36 out of 38 different indicators. Um, you know, those are, you know, economic, health, uh, number of teachers, doctors, all, all these kinds of things. They're, they're significantly better off than they were four or five years ago. What will happen with uh, the uh, athletic venues? Will they, are there plans to reuse those? Do yeah, so... Right. So some of the some of the venues will be maintained as sporting venues. For example, the velodrome, mm-hmm. um, the, the some of the karaoke arenas that where the basketball will take place. But some of the others were built with a different kind of architecture, so they're going to be disassembled and be transformed into different things. For example, the aquatic center, they're going to build two different swimming pools. Uh, mm-hmm. Not built. They take those swimming pools and take to poor areas on the north part of Rio, okay. um, and some will become. Um, schools even and so on so so some some of the uh the the things will be there Mm -hmm. yeah okay if you want to join us we still have about 10 minutes to go in the program you can give us a call at 812-855-0811 in bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside the bloomington area you can join the live chat wfiu.org slash noon edition or you can follow us on twitter at noon edition um, don't know if Max is going to make it. We still hope that he will, but we have to bring up Zika. We, you know, he's the health expert. We were waiting for him. But um, how, from the two of you, your perspective? I mean, you're you're going to be going down there, Gil. You just got back, Lee. I mean, what's the sense on the ground in Rio about the mosquitoes, about the Zika virus? Are there significant concerns? Well, I took insect repellent with me, but I never put it on. Um, I asked my friends, and they said, no, it's, it's winter right now in right. Brazil. 
And unless you're in a heavily forested area or a very uh, area where there's a lot of standing water, um, the probability is, is very, very low. Um, that said, it's, it's serious. Um, and, and so it's a concern, but I think it's, it's a very low probability event. I mean, you're more likely to get hit by a car not you know, crossing the street and not paying attention than you would be to get hit by the Zika virus. So I didn't, and there's, when you're near, anywhere near the beach, there's usually a bit of a breeze. I, yeah. I didn't notice any mosquitoes, actually. Yeah, so that's true. So in the winter, the, the rate of, of infections decreases by orders of magnitude compared to March and April. So if you see some of these charts, you know, I mean, it's an exponential decrease in, in August relative to, say, March and, and um, in February. So there's a lot less mosquitoes because it's a lot drier weather and it's a little, a little bit cooler as well. And so, frankly, I mean, I wish the the Zika expert would be here, but I think, frankly, this is the lowest, I mean, that's the, the least of the concerns, I think. It's like um, the, the chances that you're going to be infected with Zika are very, very small. You know, you're going to be in air-conditioned venues, in hotels, in places like that, or at the beach, you know, places where there won't be mosquitoes around. That's what I think. I have to think that winter in Rio is different from winter in Indiana. Sure. So, what, what's, so what, what are the differences in, in the weather, winter versus summer? I love winter in Rio. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the best time to go to Rio. Really? Because yeah. it's a drier and it's a cooler at night and it, during the day it's sunny. You know, most of the time it's very little rain. And it's like, it would be, you know, high 70s, low 80s or something like yeah. this. Okay. When I was there, it was in the mid-70s and then cools off at night. It was... It's beautiful. D- delightful. Uh, the, the summer gets hot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it depends what you like. It yeah. depends yeah. how much you want to be, you know, in the water and at the beach or how much you just want to be out and about walking around. Mm-hmm. But the Brazilians there will put on leather jackets when it's uh, right. in, in the Particularly 60s. Particularly in Rio. Right? Yeah. yeah, in Rio they want to show off they own a leather jacket, so yeah. they need to wear it. So the time to wear it's August. Right. Uh, I took a couple of um, uh, friends from U.S., uh, a a couple in their 70s, um, to Rio in 2013 in June, and it was just an absolutely delightful time. You know, it was like this. It was high 70s, cool at night. You didn't need air conditioning. I mean, of course, we had it in the hotel, but you didn't need it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they really had a great time. You know, we went to Ipanema, all the, uh, you know, the Redeemer and all these different places. So they loved it. What do you think we've we've learned sort of of just the coverage kind of being critical of these games? How do you think that might inform other games moving forward and even how the committee might award cities that get the games? From what I've heard, they will try to avoid, um, I think they are a little bit scared of uh, awarding the games to developing countries. And so they're going to try to focus more on the uh, less, you know, countries with lower levels of risk and so on um, um, that's what you know that's yeah. what I think it's going to happen I mean it's kind of I agree with Gil it's, it's, it's sad but, but true the people who can pull off the Olympics the best are, are the rich countries and the authoritarian ones so um, Russia and Beijing mm-hmm. can do it but Brazil's a democracy right. so y- you there's going to be more protests. There's going to be more discontent. Uh, and so I think that 
the Olympic Committee will be aware of that. That doesn't mean they should uh, uh, award them to uh, North Korea. Um, right. You know, that that's where you want to go for authoritarianism. Uh, but I think they're probably going to be seeking the richer countries again. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess to just build on that a little bit, I mean, both of you as as people who are very familiar with Brazil, do you see this as being, you know, will the future, or will will we look back on this as a net gain for Brazil to have hosted the Olympics? And what are the factors that would go into that? Well, for Rio, I think is a net gain. Uh, It will be, uh, I think all the negative coverage is certainly gonna have an impact, a negative impact on tourism, I think, you know, at at least in in the short term, but in the long term is a net gain, for sure. The city is better. It's more beautiful. There's more infrastructure, and I think for the you know looking two three years down the road, I think the tourism will increase. It'll be like that's what I think. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I noticed a few things when I was there this year. The the proficiency in English uh, amongst hotel staff, on average. I mean, always when you check in and so forth. But but people cleaning your rooms were now speaking English. So I think there's been a concerted effort. In the in the hotel business, to encourage uh, people taking English, so Rio's clearly going to win. Uh, overall, I'm hoping that uh, depends how they the coverage. If again they spotlight different parts of Brazil, I think that's going to be a gain that people will come away with an appreciation of the huge huge diversity that Brazil has to offer. Uh, one thing Brazil could do, are you listening out there, Brazil, uh, is get rid of uh, the requirement for people from the U.S. to have a visa, oh, yeah. which they, they did for the Olympics. Right. So from June, May or June until end of August, you can travel to Brazil without a visa. Yes. But otherwise, you've got to go to a consulate or mail it in, and Brazil does it because we hassle Brazilians coming into the U.S. They have to have a visa. Right. Um, they have this principle of reciprocity. So yeah. they ask for a visa for any country that asks Brazilians for a visa. So Europeans can get into the into Brazil without a visa, uh, but U.S. citizens can't. So I can't just take my passport. No, you can't. Go. Right now you can. Uh, right yeah, now, right I, if now I was going to the Olympics, yeah, yes. which I'm not. But yes. Interesting. Um, you were talking about just a lot of the improvements that they've made in the city. So I'm, I'm wondering what happens to folks who lived in those more depressed areas. What, what, what was it like when you were there a month ago? Well, uh, unfortunately, that's the invisible part that you don't see. Um, you can read about it, and and you don't you don't know how well they've been taken care of or probably not been taken care of. So I think they are shouldering a part of that burden. And and that's been true almost every, that's been true for Beijing. Uh, this is what the mayor of London's been claiming had, had also happened. Um, so that that's a serious concern uh, in any kind of issue where you have eminent domain is how do you take care of the people who are on the losing side of it? And that's the side that people don't want to talk about. That's what these protests are about, in right. part. Um, but the legacy in some areas, as Gil said, the, the port area has been cleaned up. That's going to be right. – but what happened to 
the people who could afford to live there, well, they won't be able to move back right. because these will be fancy condominiums for um, wealthy Brazilians and, and others. I think one thing that they will certainly notice improvement is, that again, the transportation. Yes. So, for example, going to some of the poor areas of, of Rio to the wealthy areas, like, for example, service people who work in the, yeah. in the hotels, restaurants, and things like that, they're going to have their commute decreased by, I don't know, three times. You know, there are places yeah. that it would take an hour and a half to go. Now it takes 30 minutes. Yeah. So, so th they would definitely notice that, that improvement, I think. Mm -hmm. We have just about three minutes to go in the program. So I, I just wanted to go back to each of you and talk about, you know, what, are, what are, are your hopes for these Olympic Games and for how they portray Brazil? I mean, we can't predict whether there's going to be you know, a, a negative action that happens. I know last night I was watching uh, on NBC and they were interviewing some athletes who were just, they were very happy with how they were being treated mm -hmm. and the people that they were were seeing. So, you know, what are, what are your hopes and, and what part of Brazil do you hope gets showcased in the next couple of weeks? Gil? Uh, well, I think once again, once the game starts, uh, then it would People are going to focus on the athletes themselves, and I think the I think the athletes are having a positive experience, frankly, because it's hard to go to Brazil and not have a positive experience, you know, because the people are nice, the food is nice, that it's it's a beautiful place. So, um, you know, once you're there, <laughs> I think you kind of you kind of have a great time, and I think that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot depends on the momentum, but like Gil, I think the athletes are are pumped up. This is this is most exciting time for for most of these athletes this will be the pinnacle of their their careers so they're really excited and not all of them are in the running for the gold medal but they're going to have what i hope will just be an incredible experience so if things start off well i see the momentum building i see the rest of brazil coming behind it as gil said the media in brazil has been uh, much more neutral, less negative than than what we've been seeing in the in the U.S. Uh, in particular. Um, so that I I think that um, what I do hope they showcase is um, the diversity of Brazil. That I because I think that a lot of people are are ignorant about uh, what a large, diverse, uh, interesting country it is. All right, we're out of time. Uh, tonight, the Olympics start with the opening ceremonies, and I think uh, all four of us will probably be watching in some way. But I want to thank our guest today, Lee Alston um, from the IU. Uh, he's a professor of economics and law at IU. And Gilvin Souza, who's also a professor of operations management here at IU and Kelly School for Sarah Whitmire and J.D. Gray, our producer today, and engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for, for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. 
More information at smithville.com.